This is Dr. Sarah Rourke. I'm here with my cousin and lovely friend, Mary Hearn. Welcome to Woman's Dance, Mary. Yeah, Sarah. <laughs> Happy to be back in the Aboriginal Outlaw Studios again. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the dudes. Mm -hmm. they, had a, they had a comedy show on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. I heard Josh brought down the house, but I haven't watched it yet. I have to get there. He goes to La Maison like the last Tuesday of every month. They have an open mic type of thing. Mm -hmm. And he goes and uh, makes white people very uncomfortable. Oh. It's his job. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have uh, like a written script for today. I had a lot of very interesting conversations in the last week. So I wanted maybe for you to weigh in on them. Right. Um, some controversial topics that are of interest as of late um, there's a lot going on in the news. Do you watch the news? No. No? <laughs> watch the live news. I catch everything on my Google feed every so often. So, you know, I kind of get snippets, but just for my mental health, I just don't. No, <laughs> I think... Try not to. Yeah, I think a lot of people are doing that, like just keeping the barriers when it comes to the news. And, mm -hmm. and I feel like everybody's kind of just flipping the switch or the button or... Mm -hmm. touching the screen trying not to focus on what's happening out in the world mm -hmm. but I, it was funny because I went to my mom's the other day and I was talking to her about abortion and and normally like we'll go back and forth about certain things and I was like you know that there's a very extremist view of what's happening with abortion and she's like what do you mean and I was like well you could be miscarrying and be in like a dire straight, like you could mm -hmm. be in dire situations. And because you're in a hospital that won't do a DNC because it's illegal, mm -hmm. those women will die. And she's like, what? I would have died. And she's telling me all these stories about her pregnancies. And I was like, well, what do you think of that? And she's like, well, I don't think that's right. I'm like, but you think abortion's wrong and what the states are doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I do. And I was like, well, I think you really need to read into the extremist like legislation right. that's going through. So it was really interesting to me because I don't think people ever see the entire pitch picture because they're flipping through or they just see snippets of it or a meme or. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was really uh mm -hmm crazy interesting to me <laughs> that we actually had like a calm really good conversation about it right now because i follow along with uh some obstetricians on like instagram and most of the time they like kind of post some like dumb shit people have said there in regards to women's health and they just kind of go on and be like okay let me clear that up for people who are listening there because what this person can is saying is like you know misinformation and it can be very damaging especially you know especially to you know certain women's health issues there that we're still trying to understand more because you know women's health hasn't been very well researched there mm -hmm. for a long time um but when it comes to that you know just how extreme these limitations there are like in these anti-abortion states is just it has gotten so frustrating for that simple fact because not everybody understands like okay when you have an ectopic pregnancy that fetus you know if it's like actually a fetus or it could just be kind of um because you can get what's called a molar pregnancy as well which is basically cancer mm -hmm. it's not a baby that's growing it's literally cancer cells growing but it's you know, throwing your HCG levels off the chart. Right. So, you know, to 
basically allow this person, like, you know, allow these cells to grow, you know, <laughs> you're, you're risking people's lives. Okay, I, That baby's not going to live anyways because it cannot survive in the fallopian tube. Your body, you know, a woman's body in like the uterus is specifically designed to carry a baby. Nowhere else in your body is designed to do that. So for them to allow these cells to keep growing and say, oh, no, 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 you can't take care of this. You can't have this abortion there when you could bleed to death. It's it's just awful. So because I have seen it firsthand when I was working in the operating room, um, you know, on the weekends that we would have to do like procedures on the weekends. And one of them was a an ectopic pregnancy like it had ruptured. I just remember when we were setting up for this. Actually, I think it was just getting my instruments all set up or something. They had already gotten into the process of opening this woman up. Like, it was just straight, like, we're getting her open. This is emergency. Oh, my God. And I remember, I can clear, like, to this day, I can remember the sound of blood hitting the floor. Because that's how much she was bleeding internally. And to, you know, live with that memory and just imagining all these poor women that unfortunately live in these states you know having to experience that i'm like you know these traumatic cases there they don't just affect the patient they're affecting their families but they can also affect the medical field you know the medical professionals that are trying to take care of them so you know yeah and i definitely think there is um a stigma about even talking about it in our community, in many communities, and and me as a mother who has a daughter and I have nieces, Mm -hmm. it's terrifying to me that the government and governments are trying to impose their own rules on my own body and on their bodies when they should have their bodily autonomy. You know, like I feel like it's really hard for me to envision a world where my daughter... um, like forbid she ever has a like an assault or mm-hmm. she's in a position where um she's not supported in her child and she makes that decision that determination like i don't ever have any kind of people can have their own religious religious views and whatever but i feel like i am i am so very much um against anybody regulating my body in any way shape or form and i feel like all women should feel that and and not want that don't not think that's a protection for them and and i don't know until it happens to them they are able to make that decision because of their privilege or or whatever you know so so it's really um it's really hard for me to fathom and i don't think people really understand like the ter- the determinations in uh, like in Congress and like in those spaces, like how they're going to impact us directly in communities because right. it'll be our people first, you know, it'll be our people. It'll be brown people that mm-hmm. will be marginalized or disenfranchised in those spaces first and foremost. I mean, we, we were sterilized right up until the nineties. So why would you think that that's a trustworthy space when we're trying to make mm-hmm. healthcare trustworthy to protect our people so i don't know it's it is a heavy topic and i didn't i mean i i wanted to bring it up with you because as a healthcare professional and i work in indigenous health and i'm building curriculum that merges traditional knowledge and western knowledge like it's so important to let people know that it's safe to have these conversations because 
people aren't or they are behind closed doors or me bringing it up to my mom when I didn't think she was going to be uh, like receptive to that kind of conversation. She surprised me mm-hmm. and I was like, well, that's awesome. Right. Like that was a good day, you know? <laughs> so, right. Yeah. It's, 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 um, it's, it's a heavy burden to be, it's a heavy gift, but a heavy burden to be a woman today, I think. It is. And I think one of the things that we get so bogged down with is that we often hear of like people having such polarized views and they just, I don't know, we often in the news, I feel like we're just having a hard time there with like people being open-minded and seeing like the other side of that conversation there because I mean, I understand what they're trying, you know, where they fall in that belief system as to why they think it is, but I just don't agree with banning abortion either because, you know, it is, abortion is healthcare in these situations. And I believe every woman has that right to decide, you know, whether or not they want to carry a child there, you know, especially in those cases there where, you know, they've been sexually assaulted, you know. It sucks, but I also believe, too, that you need open access to birth control. You know, we need that to be easier for people to access, you know, because some people have, like, health health issues that, you know, for them to carry to term or it just, it's too much on their bodies. And, you know, I have seen patients that are like, I've never had kids. I don't ever want to have kids, like, for me to, like, even go through the process because pregnancy takes a toll on your body. You know, some women are, you know, a lot of, some pregnancies are easier than others, but you can't guarantee that that pregnancy is going to be easy, you know. Yeah, my pregnancy was really good until it wasn't. Right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I don't know, I don't, I'm not, I'm never going to do that again. And, Mm -hmm. and when I look back at it and, and I have that choice, Mm -hmm. um, to bring children into this world and like i mean the fucking news is so heavy right now like you you got like anti-abortion you got anti-trans legislation you have school shootings it's like how do you even breathe Mm -hmm. as a mother right now and and for me like i every day i take a little time to just be really grateful for being able to protect my daughter and that our kids are safe and that my nieces know how to talk to me about the things that they need and and they never have to like question that -hmm. they're safe in our homes and in our families you know and and to see like what's happening on the news that we don't want to watch is it's just a really heavy cloud (laughs) over families right now you know like it's a bit wild yeah, absolutely. So I'm about to homeschool. No. <laughs> I don't know. So my daughter can turn out as nerdy as I am. Right. <laughs> but hopefully not as antisocial. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. So uh, so you're reading audiobooks, huh? <laughs> well, I'm Tell listening to the audiobooks there, but I haven't... <laughs> if, no, I've uh, had interest in learning, you know, getting into like reading the audiobook game or something. I don't know. It's one of those things where I just cycle through like different interests and like, oh, maybe I could do that and then spend money on that interest and then just not go anywhere with it. It's a vicious cycle, isn't it? It really is. And I don't know, because I don't, you know, because I have like this microphone, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's there. 
if I want to start reading books, at least like, you know, make audio books there for my children there. It doesn't have to be anything that I market or, you know, start making money off of. That's super fun. fun, though. It is. You could sing, too. Maybe you could rap. I don't know. I'm not good at rapping. <laughs> I can rap along to a song, but to rap out of nowhere, I do not have that skill. <laughs> you don't got the flow. I don't have the flow, man. I don't got the sick beats, okay? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I sing along in the car there, and then I'm also one of those people there that, you know, when I listen to my metal music there, I try to... <laughs> scream along with it and yes. I don't have it all the time I think I'm, I only have it when I'm at an actual metal show <laughs> it's, you just feel it you can to, mm -hmm. to your bones to your core oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's medicine <laughs> it really is <laughs> no, it's funny because my daughter I, I send I'll have to send you the video but like she's four and she's got mm -hmm. this beautiful little plaid blue and navy blue and red dress on and she's got pigtails and she's sitting in this rocking chair next to her grandmother and she's like mama you go and she goes grandma you can go like this and and it was Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer and she's rocking back and forth and she's going like this and I'm like and she's like grandma this is rock and roll and she turns it right up and starts going like this and, and she's got her horns up and uh I have a real good video of it and uh she comes home she's like mama I only like rock and roll and I was like I don't believe you you like other music she's like but rock and roll is the best and I'm like you're the funniest kid it's really fun to see how they they adapt to things that they know you love and they they've always mm -hmm. like had banged in the kitchen and we used to right. put her to sleep to metallica you know mm -hmm. and she's like i want sandman metallica mama put me to sleep like like it's kind of it was kind of he put it on it as a joke and then mm -hmm. every night she'd ask for it and fall asleep on his shoulders so was, yeah so we're well-rounded child she is no, uh, Ross was kind of well-rounded for a little bit. Right now, he's kind of more into, like, the pop music there. So, you know, which is kind of funny. <laughs> he does have some of his favorite songs that he used to listen to, like, growing up. It's like Zombie by... When Bad Wolves read it, Zombie, he, we have a video of him singing along to that one. Aww. Yeah, so it was, was awesome. And then Jimmy, who just really seems to more adapt to what me and Andre are listening to <laughs> he'll he'll piss off his brother and be like because Andre will drive after picking them both up there he'll like hey Thawanalos what do you want to listen to and you can hear him like kind of work out the words for octane <laughs> so of course on of course Ross would be like over there because it's just mad because <laughs> it's not hits one that's so cute yeah so I was wondering, um, oh, there was this one question I was looking at earlier because I was looking up different questions for our podcast. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, if you, when you were younger, what would you tell your older self about who you are now? I mean, would I, or is it the other way around? It might be the other way around. Might be the other yeah, way. yeah. Make sense of it now. <laughs> make sense of it. <laughs> I put it out well, there and I'll make sense of it. Right. What would I tell myself, my younger self, who I am now? Oh my goodness. And that's a big question. I should have sent them to you before. <laughs> but I thought it was a good one. <laughs> so those things there, work on my, you know, work on my improvisation here. Because I do need some better, <laughs> learn how to like adapt to conversation, I guess. <laughs> Okay, adapt. But, adapt. <laughs> Time to adapt. You're, yes. you're deflecting now. <laughs> yes. 
know. I think what I would tell my younger self right now, that you're probably, you're stronger than you think you've ever been. And you are starting to make things happen when you felt like nobody leaves to listen. So, Mm. but yeah, so. (laughs) No, I, I definitely see that not only in you, but in myself. Like, Mm -hmm. I think now that I'm, 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 I am, I'm like, I'm old. (laughs) Now that I'm older, you know, like before I used to care so much about what everybody else thought, or I would really like defer to people about what was needed or, or really wait for other people's opinions and validations. And, and I took so much time of my life doing that. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and not thinking I was strong enough to move forward in a way that I was confident in, right? And right. confident and competent, you know, I kind of merge those words together. But but I think the older you get, nobody tells you like how how that growth finally hits you. And you're like, oh, I don't have to give a fuck what anybody else thinks. Oh, I can just do this because mm-hmm. I'm capable and I'm brilliant and I can mm-hmm. fucking move forward and, and make shit happen. And and I was thinking about that when I heard that you went back to school for your um for your migraine study because I mean our family has been plagued with migraines our whole lives. Right. And it I've seen it incapacitate not only myself, but also our cousins and yeah, we're cousins. But yeah. I think it's um <laughs> I think it's really been like such a hard road for us because everybody's just like, oh, it's just a headache. Go lay down, go to bed. And it takes you out for the whole day. And even now I'm on medication where I have to take it twice a day. And then I take another one when I start getting a headache and it makes me feel like my brain's on fire. Like it's the worst thing I've ever been through. And then like I lose like hours of my day and then I'm finally okay, but I still feel like super groggy. So I wanted to hear about that work and and what you what you're thinking about doing i know you said you were talking about a support group yeah so uh and christ when did i start it yeah it's been almost a year since i finished the program actually uh so i went to thomas jefferson university for their postmaster's certificate program for advanced headache diagnosis and management and it was so eye-opening like how little I knew about, you know, migraine and all these different other headache disorders, you know, because like you said, though, it's like not too many people know about it, even like talking to other, like my fellow colleagues there, you know, unless you grew up experiencing migraine attacks, you know, you really didn't take the time to like, okay, how do I treat this? So mm-hmm. you come at it from like a patient perspective. And then once you go through all of that schooling, you're like, okay, how do I tackle this from a provider perspective? Because you know that you don't want your patients to go through what you went through, especially when they are as severe as you have been, or as severe as like, you know, Marcy, my sister experienced, because she started around the age of 12. And like every single month with her period there, she would get a pretty severe attack. I think, yeah, because I actually wrote an article there for Headache Journal, you know, the Journal of Head and Face Pain. Mm-hmm. So, and that's I'm finally in the final stretch there for that to be published. Yeah, so, published. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be a published professional. It's amazing. Goals. It is. <laughs> Someday so, I'll get there when I take the time. <laughs> right. So, and it was, 
really, really fun program because, you know, you get to work with all these professionals that are, you know, experts in headache medicine. Like right now, I think they said that you have one headache professional per 60,000 patients. That's how small this field is right now. But from all the work that I've like, you know, everything that I've seen with, you know, talking to people from like these different organizations, like this, it's really gaining traction because right now there's a few programs in the country. Um, I think the one that I went to, like really, they have advocates there with uh, Coalition for Headache and Migraine Patients that are trying to get more people involved through IHS because indigenous populations are like our prevalence rate is higher than the national average. Mm -hmm. They're also finding that men are like the female to male ratio isn't, is a little bit closer compared to the national average because right now it is two to one, you know, female to male. So for every two females, there's one male that experiences migraine attacks, Mm -hmm. but you know, they're finding that men are, are, prevalence rate among men is a little bit higher but because we're so underrepresented in studies that they can't really get like exact numbers on it so you know i'm trying to gain more traction within our own community that be you know hey let's start creating like a movement to make headache medicine more aware i did that one psa there for Aquasesna TV last summer, which I did get some interest there and some response to it, which was great. Um, but I think, you know, moving forward, I would like to work on getting our own support group going. So, do you think it's because of like historically we didn't have as many like environmental influences and processed? like food and and like we had like a very land-based living and and we had clean air and clean Mm -hmm. water and all those things do you think that's and in conjunction with like this is just my thinking in conjunction with our dna and the way that we are built as indigenous people do you think that they're counteracting each other and and that may be one of the reasons why we have more migraines than others this is like such a new question to ask that even then I'm like, because migraine attacks are like migraine is family. Like there's that strong family link. There is also the you can experience migraine attacks there from post-traumatic headaches, you know. So you think of like your TBI, concussions, you can develop it even if you haven't had a history. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because... Um, as far as like stress wise, I mean, let's be honest, we're a pretty traumatized group at this point. <laughs> I know right now there's such a movement there to heal from a lot of this trauma that I think, you know, tackling it from a mental health perspective, there will probably, you know, improve the rates or at least improve better control for people. Mm. Because if this, the difference is like the frequency attacks there. So you have the infrequent for the longest time. I would get them only like once every two years. Whereas you have some people that are get it like anywhere from one to 14 days per month, which falls into that episodic. And then you have the chronic, which is 15 or more days out of the month to like pretty much every day. Oh my God. So I can't imagine <laughs> it. And the difference between episodic and chronic migraine there, they kind of put it there between like the 14 and 15 days to like separate it just for research purposes. But, you know, depending on how bad your migraine attacks are, if they are very debilitating, like, you know, 
you should be on preventive medications just in general because mm-hmm. we're starting to see more i don't know if we're starting to see more about being able to like identify like the rare type of headache or a rare type of migraine which is hemiplegic migraine where you basically looks like you have a stroke so it can be severe as severe as like feeling like you have a stroke on one side of your body that just resolves once your migraine attack resolves um or it can be you know kind of like get limb weakness there because i think that's what marcy was experiencing um when i was working with my co-author i was telling him about her symptoms and that's what he asked i'm like sure she didn't have hemiplegic and i'm like you know what now that i think about it probably did (laughs) but um but it's kind of because they definitely won one of the things that they recommended to like do further studies would be to look into like okay what's What's going on with this genetic factor? You know, is this, you know, similar to the gene mutations that they've already seen, which I cannot name off the top of my head. One of them sticking in my mind, but what exactly it does. Cause like one process is glutamate, other ha- gene mutation has something to do with like the potassium sodium pumps in your system. <laughs> I cannot remember all of them right now. That's okay. I didn't bring you here to teach a, a whole lesson. Right. What What do you think as like family members, as people in community, like what do you think is the best approach? So do you have a family member or someone in your home that has migraines on a regular basis or you think they're migraines, they're more, a little bit more than a headache? What do you think they should be doing? Honestly, I think they should be just, you know, advocating for themselves to be treated because we have so many... <laughs> working in the clinic, we have so many people that just walk through life like, oh yeah, I get them too. How often do you get them? All like twice a week or something like that. And I'm like, you didn't say anything? Wow. I'm like, I'm like, I get, you know, most people are, you know, I think a lot of people are just like, oh, we'll just power through it, deal with it later. But, you know, there's only so many, like so much that you can push off. So, you know, I think... It just kind of all depends on, like, I guess the upbringing because you're, you know, how many times have we told them, like, oh, just just walk it off. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think right. after I got married, like, that fall, the fall winter, like, the right after that, I was in the hospital for a week because I had the worst migraine of my whole life. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I didn't know, like, when you get um, hep A from, like, bad seafood or whatever mm-hmm. like when you get that it exacerbates something in your system right like oh, it, no kidding. like um so my my mom went to a chinese food restaurant and she got happy and then she ended up in the hospital and she almost died and then like that same year i went to like a a thai food place in ithaca and i got happy and then i got a migraine for a week like a week straight and I couldn't I couldn't see light. I had to keep like my head covered. They were giving me all sorts of stuff. And they did a CAT scan and they said, Oh, well, you have unaffected cysts in your brain. And I said, Okay. So whenever I have a migraine, it's like those cysts, there's like a like a seizure mm-hmm. in like mini seizures. So I have to take the medication to stop them. So it's like yeah. I don't and I was like, Well, why isn't that a worry? Like, Mm -hmm. I was like, is that why I'm smart? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't don't know. Like, I never looked into it any more than that. But I know Mm -hmm. now that I'm on the medication, I get like maybe one migraine every couple months and it'll take me out for a day or half a day, but it's not like a full day incapacitation. Mm -hmm. And I see neuro 
on a regular basis to check in. But it's like how many other people are getting that and or have that and they just don't even realize. And those are the people that have like aneurysms or like, you know, mm-hmm. like how far does it go? And, and mm-hmm. so I think it'd be really great to just have that support group, but also like normalize the conversations um, to make sure that people understand that it's not normal. Right. Or that it's not okay. It is normal for people to have them, especially around community, but it's not normal to just live with it. Right. Um, because, you know, especially it, it over time, it, you know, you can go from episodic to chronic. Mm. You can fluctuate between the both of them, to be honest. And what's kind of crazy is because um, your brain, how it processes pain, you know, pain has a purpose. And, I was just telling some people about it this week that, you know, it's there to tell you, pain is there to tell you like, okay, something's wrong. We need to, don't do that there. You know, as kids there, we learn not to, you know, fuck around, find out, you know, if it hurts, you (laughs) probably shouldn't have done it. Right. You know? So, but when it comes to like having like this chronic pain syndrome there, it takes a toll on you mentally, you know, because you've probably been there where you're like, okay what the hell do I do? I'm like afraid to go out into these social situations because I'm afraid to have a migraine attack there midway through, you know, people do a lot of work to figure out what their triggers are. And then they also do a lot of work to try and avoid what their triggers, (laughs) avoid their triggers. But depending on what it is, I mean, it can be pretty socially isolating too. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, because it's, yeah, because it's kind of hit or miss, you know, even the even the research is kind of back and forth on like, you know, should you really limit yourself that much, you know, if you have certain triggers and, you know, you just want to enjoy your life, so. Well, then you'd have to have like a contingency plan if you go out and then you mm-hmm. get a migraine and then you can't drive, yeah. you can't travel, you have to be in the dark. Like, yep. like well, that is not a safe plan, right? That doesn't <laughs> right. make any sense, even right. if you do want to be social. So it's like you either mm-hmm. decide and normally when I get a migraine, I'll wake up and I'll start to feel like I can feel that my head is just kind of tender mm-hmm. and then it grows. Mm-hmm. all day until it hits hard like it's right. like a it's like a crescendo of pain right. right so I'm like okay yeah I'm not doing very much today that's not gonna happen right and, and but it's like how do you live with that kind of a condition and have a normal life or mm-hmm. you just kind of bob and weave around it right. <laughs> but it's not fair to have that kind of quality of life right so, and that's kind of why, you know, opening up that conversation is important because, you know, there are treatments, like the treatment landscape for migraine right now is pretty freaking wide. Mm-hmm. So, cause we have nutraceuticals that, you know, will help because magnesium has been shown to help with migraine prevention. Uh, you know, we ha- now have neuromodulation devices. There's a couple that you can buy over the counter that are, you know, one is pretty new. I think somebody just posted in the migraine mavens group that's going on. It's a lot of like female pro- medical professionals that <laughs> Nerdy, are migraine. Great. Yes, migraine study people. <laughs> yes. Um, somebody just posted a you know question about one, and that's like kind of sits on your ear is what it looks like, and then kind of sends impulses that way. I have to look a little bit more into it because right now I have the cephaly device and this is one that kind of sits on top of your forehead and it sends like think about it like a tens unit yeah it sends electrical stimulation through your ophthalmic nerve and kind of works to disrupt the migraine pathway that oh. way you know and then gamma core which I 
So you can shock yourself at home. Yes. (laughs) So, which I know I posted on TikTok at one point about that. And I'm like sitting there with my migraine attack. They're wearing the stuff. I never posted a response to it though, because I have some thoughts about the sensations that I felt during that. (laughs) They're really quite funny (laughs) because just the, um, like how I felt afterwards and then like during it, it was kind of funny. You know, of course my brain goes to like i'm gonna make a joke about everything that's going on (laughs) as you shock yourself at home and videotape it (laughs) pretty much (laughs) but um yeah because there's that one the gamma core which were uh stimulates your vagus nerve and it looks pretty cool and it's funny because when i explain it to patients there i'm like yeah it kind of looks like a taser that you put up against your neck (laughs) but you're not going to shock yourself that bad okay it's just some light stimulation (laughs) Because um, there's somebody else that, uh, another Instagram like influencer that I follow there that has been living with migraines since she was 16. And you get to see her try all of these different products. And you show it, and she has a video of her using the Gamma Core there as part of her migraine treatment. Because mm-hmm. she was one that just was, did not respond to a lot of treatments. She went through, like, they even got her to um, doing the Botox injections. And she did respond, but I want to say like it worked for a while until it didn't. Mm-hmm. And then they were back to square one, like, okay, you know, we got to figure out what to treat. It's just a Band-Aid. So, yeah, it was pretty much just a Band-Aid. But what was cool is I got to talk, I did a Zoom meeting with the Gamma Core reps there and what they're trying to do with like how to, like the applications for that device there seems pretty wide because um, just how much the vagus nerve does they've seen it you trying to work with the va helps health system use it for ptsd treatments and then they're we're doing some sort of study that i think wrapped up this winter and i think they're just waiting like going through the data right now on using it for post-covid shortness of breath so Right? That's so, a lot of different applications. That's interesting. Yeah, it was such a wide range of applications for it. And I'm like, I'm really interested in, you know, seeing how this plays out. Now, is this a pocket-sized device you can, like, walk around and zap people with? or <laughs> No. I mean, it's probably about, like, the size of your palm. But, no, you can't zap people. You need the electro gel for it oh. to work. So <laughs> There's always a catch. <laughs> I better make sure that nobody tries to, like, taser themselves in the neck because they're know. so desperate. Um, I mean, yeah, because, like, the applications for that one, they're kind of fall over into cluster headache, which is a very rare headache disorder that often gets misdiagnosed for migraine and one of the biggest things between those two is like during a migraine attack like or during a cluster headache attack there they can be pretty that one is actually pretty debilitating so and i was just listening to somebody recently that was talking about like one of the biggest things between those is like okay when you're in the middle of a migraine attack you want to go sit in a dark room Mm -hmm. and lie down and what can happen quite often during a cluster headache attack is they become like very agitated and they pace during their attack they're pacing so you know they just can't sit down so you know whereas migraine you move a little bit there you move the wrong way you're gonna hurt worse yeah so you gotta um, sit in the exact spot that makes you feel better and hold pressure in the exact spot and right that's it's a hard it's a hard road like it is it's I didn't realize how many people in our family mm-hmm. have migraines 
until like um until I started um getting like diagnosed and getting my medication and stuff and talking mm-hmm. to Anka D and everybody and and uh and I was just like there's a lot of us like oh it's it's um yeah. there's like four or five of us six mm-hmm. of us that get them on yeah. a regular basis just mm-hmm. in our family oh yeah and it's in it's like how do we prevent that or what in our upbringing brought those on or like or what in our grandparents upbringing you know because it's definitely on that side of the family so it's Mm -hmm. just interesting to hear how many and i wonder how many families are like that and we just aren't talking about it right and it's the awareness that's so important you know like Mm -hmm. like i don't know if my if my daughter had migraines and i've seen like when i i started getting them when i was like 11 Mm -hmm. and that's so young to be in that much pain you know 11 12 years old and i thought it was like oh i'm just sick but it was something completely different so Mm-hmm. I'm glad I know now what I didn't know then so I can give her the support should that happen and right. we can do preventative measures right away so it's not taking away from mm-hmm. her quality of life because it does. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, especially these people that walk around not being treated, it has, like, when you don't get the adequate treatment that you need, it can just snowball into getting more frequent, you know, the longer it goes on. So, I mean, you know, there are people that are pretty fortunate that they're like, oh, yeah, you know, she like they just went away, which was great for them, you know, but not everybody is that fortunate, you know, and they find especially for women, they're the most frequent your migraine attacks are in when you're in your most productive years. Mm-hmm. So when you're developing a career at the height of your career and then when you're ready to retire. Yeah. Like they just you just see like the you look at the charts and like the diagrams on like when you're the most effective and it's like so you're telling me this one I'm supposed to be the best boss bitch I can be <laughs> I'm just gonna be in the most pain yeah so you know which sucks but you know like I said right now we just have to you know get that conversation going amongst the community which is one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to start like you know just like an indigenous headache network. So, you know, I really kind of going back and forth on how exactly I want it to be kind of designed, but I think mainly it's just just for the community members, you know, do I want to just keep it here or do I just want to open it up to, you know, everybody, you know, all of the tribes especially because, you know, we often see like how many of our community members are, you know, experiencing them and it was funny because i had like patients there recently they were like yeah i've also asked like you know i was telling people about what i experienced and then come to find out oh yeah so i get them too or you know and they're like we don't talk about it they said the same exact thing like Mm -hmm. this is not being talked about as well as it should be so I think there's a lot of things, um, just being, just growing up, like suck it up and deal, mm-hmm. but it's going to go away. Don't worry about it. You know, like there, there's just that understand, like that's an understanding in the family and we don't want to bother anybody with that mm-hmm. and just go lay down, come back out when you're ready, right. uh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's with a lot of different ailments, but also the mistrust in the medical field. Mm-hmm. to be getting the treatment or wanting to go to the doctor or plus the lack of access because it's expensive. So there's like multiple factors as to why our ancestors never talked about it. And now mm-hmm. here we are trying to talk about it, but 
how much do you say without having to get like a CAT scan or like mm-hmm. there the, it's scary, you know, yeah. like, and I think with healthcare in general, like people need like good support and good advocacy and clear understanding because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't get that and they only get it when all of a sudden they're diagnosed with stage four and they're going to the doctor all the time for treatment mm-hmm. instead of doing the preventative yeah. with people that they trust. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a big systemic issue for real. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause there are some like red flags in, I want to say what over it on Aquasusnia TB. So, you know, to kind of help like, cause anytime, like if you have get migraine attacks, most of the time, like your imaging is going to be normal it's when we start seeing this sudden swing where it's like, okay, so for me, you know, I got them every once, every two years. I did actually get more attacks this year. You know, go figure. I get more migraines while I'm working on a, <laughs> on a paper about migraines. That makes sense. <laughs> you know, it's the stress. It, it was a labor of love on my part, and I did hit a wall for a while, and I was stressed out. So, you know, trying to get that going. And I ended up actually, for the first time in my life there, well, for one, it was like, okay, I had an attack six months ago. What? Okay. And then it went from, oh, I had an attack three months ago. And then it was just like December and January, I had a, had an attack one month back to back. So that gradual change in the, you know, increased frequency, I technically would not have qualified for getting a CT scan, mm-hmm. you know, or an MRI, uh, just because it was a gradual increase. You know, there's probably a lot of lifestyle factors there that could have played into it. Whereas if I had gone from one every two years to like all of a sudden, I'm like, dude, I'm getting them every other day or they're almost every day at this point, you know, that is a sudden switch that's like, okay, something could very well be going wrong, mm-hmm. you know? So, or if it all of a sudden like, okay, I'm getting them every other day, but now I have new symptoms that were never there before. It's just all of a sudden they're just very dramatic you know, in presentation, like, because you talk about, you know, like we said, with like the hemiplegic migraines there, you look like you're about ready to have a stroke, Mm -hmm. you know, which was never an issue for me. I think I got maybe numbness in one side of my hand or like one, a couple attacks there. I think I got the numbness in my hand, but for me to go from like, okay, the numbness to all of a sudden I'm experiencing migraines where I'm losing functioning. (laughs) That's, that's a dramatic turn that needs to be investigated. You know, yeah, and I don't think a lot of people are self-aware mm-hmm. with their body. Like, I know I wasn't. Like, when I get a migraine, I don't pay attention to the rest of my body. I'm just like, okay, yeah. I'm here. in pain. Right. And I don't, I, I don't think I've ever really noticed. And maybe I'll try and check in next time right. to see, is there any other kind of, mm-hmm. um, like, am I immobile in any other way? Or, or do I have any kind of nerve situations mm-hmm. with my hands? Because I don't think I've ever really thought about that. Right. But nobody asks, nobody tells you that you should. Mm-hmm. Or, like, because they're... Um, like mini seizures or whatever, like I just automatically assume that I'm going to feel some sort of way, but I've never really, I've never really checked in. Right. So, so I think that's a good thing to like, even mm-hmm. just like a handout, be like, are you having migraines? Oh yeah. Are they this frequency? Are they this or that? Mm-hmm. Cause, cause I don't think people know that at all. No. Like besides not talking about it, but just mm-hmm. not knowing, like not knowing what's really happening with your body at the same time. Like yeah. that's kind of blowing my mind and you calling it an attack. 
instead of just it being a migraine. Mm -hmm. Like that makes so much sense to me. Mm -hmm. It's like an attack on my brain. (laughs) Right? Because there is some work with like champ is actually trying to change the language too. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying like, oh, migranor, where you're just like identifying with your disease, it's now like you are a person who experiences migraine. You Mm -hmm. live with migraine. You know, it's just something that, okay, is a part of your life, but it is not your whole life. This is not your whole identity. So, and I'm, I've never thought of it as like a condition like that either. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I get them. Yeah. And I take medicine for them probably for the rest of my life. Right. But I never like, and I was hospitalized for them, but I never thought like, I'm a person who has migraines and that's part of like when they ask you at the doctor, like, what do you take for medication and what kind of conditions do you have? Like I never list, I tell them my medication, but I never list like I'm a person who gets migraines. Right. And I should, you know, Mm -hmm. like that would make sense, especially with all the other things that happen. Like, right. It's a contributing factor. Right. Because according to the World Health Organization, I want to say it's like second, probably, you know, I still have to work like primary care. So I'm like doing my best to hold on to like all of this knowledge. (laughs) Um, It's like the second or third disorder, disabling disorder across the world. Wow. So, you know, that is how prevalent it is, like just worldwide. And, you know, the amount of like productive hours lost due to attacks there, it's actually pretty pretty astounding there when you start like digging more into it. Yeah, I don't want to think about that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I had never, like, there was so much that I didn't know going into it and like all these different like crazy headache disorders because like you can get what's called like a hypnic headache, meaning that you wake up at like two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, like four o'clock in the morning with a headache. Like Mm -hmm. the headache wakes you up. Oh yeah, I get those. Yeah. So one of those could be is could be like a sign of undiagnosed sleep apnea. And once you treat the underlying condition, it usually like kind of improves. Yeah, I'm not going to say it goes away, but. I used to get them a lot when I had sleep apnea and then I lost the weight and mm-hmm. I no longer have sleep apnea because I used to have a machine and everything. Mm-hmm. But before I had weight loss surgery and I used to wake up with the migraines. Yeah. Like that. I didn't know what it was called, but yeah. now right. learning so much stuff about my body. Right. <laughs> take so, care of yourself I know. oh my god yeah. so one new development that happened yesterday and my face is now on a website which is kind yeah, of exciting. fancy pen right uh so i am now on the advanced practice provider committee for the association of migraine disorders so wow which has just happened which was pretty cool and i'm really glad because i'm re- bossing it up exactly <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to make it like I'm in the early stages of like trying to get things moving within IHS. I think right now it's just pretty much like doing my best to get, improve things within my own clinic and then like, okay, take that information and be like, how can I translate this to other facilities? Cause you know, it's one of those things where, you know, because how of our, how our facility runs there is not like all the facilities are not made the same. They don't all run the same. You know, they, we all don't have the same exact needs. I mean, there's a lot of like things that kind of overlap across the board, but you know, I find a lot of times like over here, some of it has to do with like vitamin D deficiency because mm. that can increase your, infre- you know, increase your attack frequency. It kind of inadvertently because the study that I read basically said that vitamin D acts as an anti-inflammatory. So if you're low on that, it just means 
I understood it that you might be triggered a little bit more easily. So, and I have seen it with a couple of patients that as soon as I fixed their vitamin D deficiency, boom, attack frequency went down. That's amazing. Yeah. No, I'm, I am like severely anemic and that was, that was something that contributed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's like you're, when you have migraines, you're kind of like a delicate mm-hmm. like system where you have to figure out what's going to keep you in balance so you're not going to get them. You're like, I got to drink all my water. I got to take all my medicine. I got to make sure I eat healthy. And if I don't, and if I'm like fucking around, mm-hmm. I'm going to get a migraine at the end of the week. I know I'm going to because I'm not treating my body the way that I should. Right. And a lot of people don't think of it like that. Mm-hmm. And, or they're just too busy to be mindful. Right. And, and that's, it's damaging because I know after I have a migraine, it takes me a couple of days to kind of feel normal again, mm-hmm. where I can be like fully productive. And that's hard because you have, I have a little mm-hmm. and she needs all my time. And so yeah. she's not, she don't care if I don't feel fully productive, you right. know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's- and it's kind of funny because, well, not so much funny, but it was kind of interesting there. Like when you look at like how the migraine pathway starts, you have this prodromal period. Like they basically lay it out essentially like how seizures occur. You have a prodromal period. You know, if you're somebody who experiences migraine with aura, which happens in like 12% of people with migraine, you know, I'm one of them. Marcy's one of them, you know, which is kind of. And apparently uh, Andre started developing them too. So he's had them, but he also has like a history of like concussions there. Mm. So, you know, that probably contributed to it. But he never had a migraine with aura before. And then all of a sudden he like text messages me and he texts me and he's like, why does it look like I'm seeing predator in front of me just like morph in front of me and i'm like i've had like these aura attacks like you know since i was 17 (laughs) and i'm like i never once thought of it as predator in front of me so now i have to create a little thing like going through like the different types of aura finishing it off with and then we see predator (laughs) don't worry people there you don't have to defend yourself with like the hatchet there the throwing hatchet there it's just a migraine attack i gotta find a way to like merge those there so that it's funny do it you know i can see that make light of like our symptoms for real right and then you know you have the attack itself there, which is like the head pain. You can get the nausea before or after. And then you also have like the photophobia, which honestly can start before the attack, you know, before it's in full swing. And then you have that post period where, you know, you just feel so worn out. I've had people tell me that they feel like they're hungover. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just... It's such a huge... You're like speaking my truth right now. Right. <laughs> oh, and, and I don't think I'm... I think I'm like the only one that ever gets them. Or I know mm-hmm. I've talked to like uh, Louis and Abby and I know Louis gets them pretty bad. And, mm-hmm. and he's never been treated for them. And I was like, you have to go. And he's yeah. like a stubborn shit, you know? So he's right. not going to go. And I'm like, you, you have to go get treated because I did and I got medication and I'm a lot better. I get mm-hmm. them maybe one every couple months, you know? And, right. And that's way better than it was. But it was mostly because of screen time and stress and and the imbalance of everything right but but i always advocate to go get checked out but people mm-hmm. people hate the doctor my husband won't go to the doctor for shit <laughs> he's got a pull muscle on his back he's like just rub my back i'm like right. what is wrong with you go to the doctor insane. it's like, okay he's like no i'm not going i don't want to bother anybody nobody's like, gonna check your prostate for that okay? <laughs> right that's what they're worried about it's like <laughs> 
You know, I think all men, they're afraid. They're afraid that someone's going to stick some fingers up them. And they're like, I'm not doing it. So they don't go to the doctor. <laughs> That's what it is. The mistrust. Right? It's, it's fucking real. I feel like we should turn the camera towards I know. Josh right now. He's <laughs> dying. Like the yeah. boundaries are blurred <laughs> exactly. from, from medical practitioner to community. Like right. she's seen different sides of you all. <laughs> exactly. Just remember, okay? And mm-hmm. I like tell everybody because, you know, I have my well woman days and I tell them, I'm like, you're in control of this whole visit, okay? If you anything feels uncomfortable, you need me to stop. Let me know. We can stop. It's all right. <laughs> you know? So do you walk around the grocery store and you're like, yep, seen hers? Yep, seen hers? <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> Not out loud, but in your head. Right? No. I just, it's one of those things where you've seen one, you've seen them all at this point there. Yeah. So, you know, unless some, there's like very discerning, like, you know, <laughs> key details or you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to forget that. Um, <laughs> it just, it doesn't do you any good there to kind of like keep that, all of that yeah, stuff in your head. Just it's because. like in one ear, out the other. Like oh, making yeah. sure you're safe. That's good right? for me. And, for me, it's also setting that boundary of like, okay, you keep work at work, mm-hmm. all right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I know, like, I've ran into patients that are asking me about, like, things. Like, <laughs> in public. I'm like, I don't have my chart in front of me. I can't tell you anything, okay? Can you call me at the office on Monday, please? <laughs> right? I'm not talking to you about your vagina in the grocery store. Thank right. you. <laughs> yeah, because I'll get, like, messages from people on Facebook Messenger. They're asking me things. And I'm like, heads up. This is not, like, this is not an encrypted message. If my phone gets taken or, like, somebody hacks my phone, you know, this this whole conversation can be they can look at this whole conversation so you know no i was such an i was such an asshole for that my mom's like just text mary i'm like no i need to stop doing that she's like just text her it's the pandemic she'll understand <laughs> i'm like no but i don't want to do that to her <laughs> i mean emergency situations there are warranted because i've had i have had those text messages there and i'm like no no get your ass to the hospital okay <laughs> Just remember to call on Monday, okay? Just let us know that you win. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's just just crazy to think of, like, your position and community and all the things that you've seen or go through and -hmm. and how you have to build that trust, you know, because you are such a young practitioner and community. I think it's, it's probably not easy to be in our clinic, and I can't ask you to speak on that per se, but I just feel like... I feel for you having to, like, we talk about, um, on the podcast, we've always talked about how do you deal with people's energy? Like how, mm-hmm. how do, what do you do for self-care? Like, because, because you're dealing with so much illness, so much energy, like whether it's mental health or whatever in community, mm-hmm. like what do you do at the end of the day to like brush off? So some days, like, especially in a couple of like within the last few weeks there, I know that. I was always getting like just overwhelmed and it was so hard to focus like I'll smudge mm-hmm. you know there was like a couple weeks ago honestly like every day I was coming home just like smudging I smudged my house I smudged myself I smudged my kids you know just because it just there was just something that I could not shake and a lot of it too was like you know because I can get behind on notes and they're in you know 
course I have that looming over my head because if I don't get my notes in on time, we can't bill, you know, if they see another provider there, well, there's information that that provider can't see because, you know, hey, I'm behind on my notes, Mm -hmm. you know, or forgot to do a referral, you know, which, you know, I'm human, it happens. And then we all, you know, we tell people like, okay, if you haven't heard anything within like two weeks of like this appointment call, because, you know, and I'll tell people, I'm like, because I, I am able to like log on to the computer in the room and I have done it for people where I'll do the referrals. I'm like, you, you saw me do that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you haven't heard back, call referral department, you know, and then there's times that I don't have the time to do the referral because I need to go through their information and make sure that, that those key parts are in the referral and, you know, because we'll get questions there as to like, okay, why are you ordering this? Or why was this referral done there? And I'm like... It's literally in this little box of information that I sent you, mm-hmm. you know, so, and they'll kind of question stuff like that. And, but I am human. It does happen. And I told them like, you know, you got to keep me honest here because, you know, you need to, I empower people to be on top of their own health care too, because, you know, it's not just like, okay, here's all my problems, fix it. It's like, okay, you need to be an active participant in your own health care. And especially with like dealing with people with mental health issues you know, saying that when they're like, you know, in the throes of depression there, easier said than done. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, I just wanted to um, thank you for coming in and sharing all your brilliance because you're brilliant and I love you and I'm proud of you. (laughs) And um, that's super cheesy. But um (laughs) No, I think it's really important for people to know who you are and to know that you are in our community and you're really looking after our people. And and that makes me proud to be your family member. And, and I know um, Dodo would be proud of you. So I just I just think it's really amazing. And so um, be nice to my cousin. She's human. <laughs> Fuck with her. I'm going to find you. <laughs> But no, she holds her own. <laughs> I'm able to hold my own. It's okay. I mean, you know, I never take it like personally because I'm like, I may not be for everybody or like, you know, because you want to have that good rapport with your provider. And, you know, if we're not connecting and like, you know, understanding each other, it's fine. You know, if you need to find another provider, that's fine. You know, right. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I want to thank you for coming. You got any last words? you know for the most part if you have any issues with headaches there come see me uh, you know come see me or talk to your provider about it if they if you feel like they don't really have like you know much background in headache medicine because it's hit or miss there with providers on like how much they know mm-hmm. you know which is kind of scary and that's part of the the headache movement is to make people more you know educated not just providers but you know the general public you know more aware of treatments so you know come find me at the clinic you know <laughs> might be a couple of weeks to get in with to see me but just heads up <laughs> worth the wait mm-hmm. take care of your body find your balance find a provider you can trust we care about you <laughs> thanks for joining woman's dance today yeah well for inviting me have a good night everyone oh no no